Hello and welcome back to the second episode in our new series of the Tech Stack Podcast. Today we're joined by an AI and marketing expert, Thomas Helfrich. Thomas, take it away. I am uh, the founder's double, maybe triple secret marketing weapon. Uh, I founded a company called Instantly Relevant to really rethink marketing and create this nonstop relevance uh, because there's a better way to do it that's been done in the past. When, when did that start and what's your mission with, with this company? Uh, yeah, so th- that's a good question because it started uh, 2020, you know, kind of the COVID era, if you will. Uh, and, you know, we started with the idea that there was a better way to create marketing specifically for founders, entrepreneurs, startups, because they have so many needs so fast and so little resources typically to get things done. So creating that through line, that nonstop relevance is what we call it, uh, was really important for my own personal brand and, and others uh, that we were working with. But, you know, the mission was really just to make founders wildly successful. You know, I have a, I have a really good affinity for founders and entrepreneurs because of the risks they take and the visions they have and the passion and the efforts and everything they put into their, their business or, or what they're trying to create. And, and drawn to that for sure, I'm one, one and the same, but also they, they have a different way of thinking that I certainly appreciate, specifically when it comes to their business and marketing and, and such. And that, that's why we, we started it. And that's our mission to make them wildly successful in a very competitive market space. What's your motivation then behind wanting to make other entrepreneurs as successful as, as let's say you are? I'm really motivated to help the entrepreneur and founder because I am one myself, right? And so I, I really have a, I, like I said, I have a really strong uh, affinity for it because what you try to do as an entrepreneur or founder is difficult and it takes endurance and it takes, you know, looking fear of, of success, fear of failure, fear of people's perceptions, fear of, you know, everything instills enduring through it. And, and the motivation is really to be a part of that journey with them. And, and I, I get you know, satisfaction from the seeing other people succeed when they're chasing those types of dreams and ideas. So if it's okay, I want to dig down a little bit more into how you use AI to influence your own marketing strategy or, or the strategy of other founders. Could you just kind of give us a, maybe a two minute explanation on how you use AI to, to help enhance your process. Absolutely. So AI is, is core to our business, but, uh, but on the human led side, and what I mean is, uh, you know, we, we leverage all the AI writing technologies that are out there. We leverage a, a number of them for note taking or video capture or SEO or titling, or there's a lot of different technologies we leverage. Um, mo- many of them have a AI, you know, or, or a dot AI web address. So the, so the technologies we're leveraging in AI are really core around creating content, driving engagement and, and building loyalty and technology behind the scenes enables that at scale. It allows us to take human led ideas and thoughts and then write them better, uh, make them more consistent in their tonality and make sure there's no plagiarism and make sure that the things that are really important in the content are there's no fluff like you know you could do it in a way that is improved so con- the ai is leveraged specifically for for curation improvement and uh, just better relevance to the, the profile of one of your customer or your, or your customer's customer other than the three things that you've mentioned what separates your use of ai compared to what is already out there publicly if you just pick let's say one of the leading ai companies not to promote one or the other so i won't drop names there been there's a number of them out there and in that space, let's say, for, for example, in the writing, some do others, some do things better than others. So some do longer form, some do titling better, and you just got to know which one to use. But when you're a consumer of it, you don't have the time to learn it and 
nor, I mean, like if, if you were to use every technology we leveraged to deliver for our customers, it'd be, you know, thousands a month in, in licensing and fees because there's all types of different ones you use. So we're not really right now creating our own AI. We're, we're just out there leveraging the best in class. And the customers actually don't care because they don't care if we use AI or not. They don't. What they care about are getting good content. They care about their social media having the right level of engagement and the time they save from not having to manage social media. And thirdly, they care about retaining customers and building loyalty with them. So we're building, you know, our, our play is to build a platform that takes the best in class AI technologies, the best in class human led activities and, and puts it together. And like I said, the customers don't really care if you're using technology or not. What they care about is the right value, good content, the, the right things for their business. How we deliver it allows for, uh, less investment on their end allows for quicker turnarounds and more consistency. They, they are three almost pillars. For you, what defines relevance? Relevance to me is when you've you've communicated beyond the cliche, beyond the market standard, the your competition in a way that has also connected with the person uh, at, a, at a little deeper level. So it might be really you've identified the pain with a really solving, you've done it in a way that seems a little more unique, or a little more differentiated, and you've done it maybe consistently enough where they have the trust and they feel like you're really the relevant uh, communicator in this on this topic. It's relevant to their moment right now and, or what they're about to experience, or it's been re relevant to them in a way that, man, I wish I would have had that information you know, a month ago. That's when relevance is created. And when you have those two things, the, the trust part that you do know what you're talking about and you are the authority or expert or at least a very good enthusiast on the matter and you've you've connected with them in a way that is really resonated then you have relevance i mean you've got a huge following on linkedin now this is over one hundred seventy thousand people and so i'm wondering on a personal standing how you develop relevance to build your linkedin audience <laughs> it, it, <laughs> so that's a great question so we've consistently just put a lot of content out there on my personal and business profiles that's, that's mm -hmm. been the strategy of organic side that's been very effective. We do this with our, our customers as well. I will say last year, the algorithms on LinkedIn were slightly different where we could trigger the, the resharing mechanisms through a number of, a number of ways. Uh, and it, and it really grabbed grab for fast growth. Now, that being said, it's a vanity metric. I, I would rather have 10 or 20,000 people that are, that are all founders and all like really tightly coupled within their belief systems and, where they're focusing then probably the network I have now, which is distributed across, you know, a, a career of, of different things I've done. Right. So what happens is when you have a large following, which is cool and it, it can, you know, for maybe softer, you know, kitty cats and other things, it might be, you know, there might be that might be the common core that brings that whole group together. But when you're focusing specifically around say founders, entrepreneurs, and you've only, I've only really focused on that network in the last three years, there's less that are relevant currently in my network probably than there has been in the past because I've, I've moved on from a career of intelligent automation, RPA, uh, and, you know, advisory consulting, business uh, consulting, those types of things, and moved into really taking some of those principles, though, and reapplying it to how we, we, we think about marketing specifically for founders. So that what happens is that your, your, your giant following doesn't do as well on some of the posts because they're, it's just not as relevant to them and the content you're putting. Mm -hmm. That being said, uh, it doesn't make the connections, let's say, uh, specifically around LinkedIn, any or the posts you do any worse. We might do only a few hundred views on a post, but we're still getting plenty of interactions and, and, and inbound interest because it's in front of the right people. So 
you, when, you, when I see like, you know, a post that's gotten million views and thousands of likes, I think it's interesting, but sometimes I look at it, I don't understand what the business uh, value of that is, except to get views and likes. Mm-hmm. And so, the, so, so I think focusing on uh, vanity is insanity and really focusing on, uh, on the right audience at the right moment for you creates relevance. I'm really interested to hear a little bit more about how you think the algorithms have changed. I know you probably touched on it a little bit there, but you said last year was slightly different to this year. That's the same thing on most platforms, most meta platforms as well. How, how has it changed in your opinion? I believe, let's say LinkedIn, I think they changed how their views have counted. I, I, don't, I think you have to have eyes on posts or eyes on video longer to have it count. Mm-hmm. I also believe that the reuse of content on LinkedIn specifically has gotten shorter. So where if you posted something, it might last a few days, but if it doesn't really kind of trend out within a relevant group, it kind of flames out and then, you know, it was in front. Maybe some people saw it or they didn't, but it doesn't repeat. So you, there's a growing need for more and more content that's fresh and original all the time, mm-hmm. which is a, uh, creates a lot of difficult space for very busy people who are like, well, I can maybe do a post a week. <laughs> and, yeah. and so there, there, it's part of the need we filled uh, that we saw was like, man, it just keeps growing more and more content. How do, how do people manage this? I used to be 30 hours a week in social media and now I'm, you know, an hour. Uh, because we just have how we set up the arrangement of managing social media and content and everything else. And and that's becoming, I think, a challenge. The algorithms are really favoring, I think, also certain individuals, influencers, as you called it, or or, uh, people within an inner circle with these different social media platforms. So verified people, people with not with just large followings, but people with maybe large engagements and other things. Their their, their content is specifically getting favored over others. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean if you're not known or you're an influencer, your stuff wouldn't work. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't go do it. It just means what you're going to see is trending and the things you'll you'll kind of have a FOMO for are just it's it's somewhat scripted ahead of time. So it doesn't mean you still can't be effective. It doesn't mean as a, as a owner of a business, something else, you can't grab the attention you need to for the right audience. It just you won't get likely millions of views because your content's probably not going to be relevant to that type of mass sharing. It's all about being in front of the right people, right? The right time. And that would be relevant. That's it. There we go. We've defined it ourselves. Fantastic. Um, so if I think I know before that there might be people listening to this struggling with the, the amount of content you have to churn out to try and, and maintain that fresh and original look. Um, just as on a, on, a, on a personal level, how I know big marketers like Gary Vee, um, there's, there's, a, there's an array of authors out there that, that try and sell a different narrative with this. Is how often, in your opinion, should we be posting on on social media? I know it will vary per platform, but kind of where would you target and how often? I mean, you have to first focus on like what you can sustain, for mm-hmm. sure. So if you could do it daily, by all means, yeah, it, it, it's smart to put different content out there on a daily level. That, that'd be my recommendation of kind of gold standard, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary Vee is an amazing individual, right? Like what they've created in the marketing, but what works for him and his organizations probably won't work for other people because they can't sustain it. Mm-hmm. So find something you can, I'd rather fo- fo- uh, focus, you know, on consistent, good quality content every day or three or three to five days a week and pick us. And, and when you don't have much time, pick a primary platform. And if you have enough time, then use the other social media platforms as secondary to, to just to repurpose it. So I would definitely do a primary plus secondary approach. I think you touched on it there as well as repurposing content. So uh, is there a best way that you found for your business to do that? Well, you have, you have essential themes of what the problems are, right? And so you try to keep, create things in a way that's in customer voice and not be salesy. 
but it could just be also just being creative, you know, with a life problem and, and tying it to business that that's, that's tends to do pretty well, but just be authentic in what you're doing and don't overthink it. Just, just try it. Just do something new um, and communicate your value structures and the things that are problems, like I said, in the industry, your customers and, and talk about it and, and create me more conversations more so than information sharing at times. Someone's going to invest in your company or they're going to want to, be an early adopter of your technology, they're going to check you out as a founder and they're going to check out potentially your co-founders. And what we see in almost every case is that founders who struggle to raise money, great traction, not only probably have, uh, you know, challenges in the business model or ideas or stuff like that, but even if they don't, their social media, their personal brand image, their executive eminence is really poor and, and they don't play the part online. They don't play the part digitally or a certain, and so raising your personal, you know, pro profile image through social media and professionalizing it and personalizing it and optimizing it for being the, the, the individual you're trying to be as a founder or, or entrepreneur is, is super important because investors, I, I mean, I wouldn't say it's 50. I think probably the initial investors you have, or even little, you know, series A or seed are investing in you as much as any of it. And if you don't play the part, that's a problem. That's going to be really hard to close rounds, and you don't you're missing an opportunity to differentiate yourself. So you have to do that in your in your actual profile presentation, but also in the uh, copy of your content and your videos, your thought leadership, your podcast, all those types of things. They really need to have a level of of executive eminence that you need to really be that person. There's a UK based company now called Clout, I believe, and they're all about developing your own personal brand and its prominence as a marketing tool in itself is, is only increasing. I would like on this kind of segment of the podcast to touch on your YouTube channel as well, um, the AI nerd. Um, just if you can just tell the audience a little about, about what you talk about. Um, this is your time for a little plug as well, if you fancy it. Um, and how you maintain content creation on that. Well, AI nerd, I switched the branding for you just in the backdrop. So if you're not, if you're listening, there's a, there's been a visual change, I changed my backdrop. AI nerd is a, it is a project I started as a community just to bring together people who love AI and technology and talk about it. And then it's interviews. It's a, I call it a podcast, but it's really more of a YouTube channel than it is a podcast. And, and I really enjoy just interviewing people who found it or, or, or in the AI space. And, and we focused those interviews around the technology, how it helps, you know, the world or, you know, in business. Uh, but it's, it's a it's a fun pet project that we do, and it's uh, it's going through it's going through a, a revamp. As, even as a marketer, you know we, we're going to rebrand that a little bit to be even more focused on AI and more global problems that it's solving, mm -hmm. and and really focus on some bigger kind of companies and and technologies, and then also the maybe more profound startups that are really making an impact and change in the world. You said about looking at projects or, or communities or businesses that really do make an impact. Do you have any AI led businesses out there that, that you'd like to highlight? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's a few, I think are completely cool. Um, and, and the one, I mean, one of them is on a, a related intelligent automation where in, in specifically AI inference engines. And so not your typical inference engines that are, uh, you know, if then and very linear and, and limited by the business process or the people who create them. This one's uh, the name of the company is called rainbird.ai. And, you know, I, I don't give them a shameless plug for any reason that they really are unique because they, they, uh, they create an, a, an AI, a model, a space, an AI of, of for decision making, mm -hmm. and it's really the applications can go from how you process an invoice to how do you adjudicate something in healthcare to, to risk and fraud and insurance and banking, 
it creates a, it just creates a decision space that can look at all this data and all this information and be able to um, infer what to do next. So that's a very cool one, and and that's uh, that actually has been around a little while. It's been like around ten years or so, but the, the the market and the compute power and people's needs are finally catching up to it. So I think that's pretty neat. There's a uh, a number of AI companies out there that are also doing things in like the vision space. So Wallaroo, Chooch, these these types of ones are, are doing you know uh, computer vision where they can identify you know violence, they can identify fire, uh, identify you know suspects and theft and you know happy things and people fall all, all the stuff for work um, uh, place prevention. And so there's all those types of pieces too. There's uh, lots in like the the document processing space, I think are pretty cool. And there's probably too many to mention there, but there's so many cool ones out there that are really solving specific problems that I met one uh, individual. She's, she's trying to use AI to determine uh, from a baby crying, if they're hungry or they're just tired or what it will be or something else to do diagnostics. So there's like all these cool, yeah, there's like amazing things that are coming in and all the technology, in my opinion, is actually quite nascent still. I mean, it's, it's it's really just getting going and it, though it's been around forever it's you know it's a slow ramp of compute power versus costs and people's skills but i it, i think it's nascent i think it's just starting I'm trying to figure out how, how that works is it done by pitch to the baby <laughs> the baby crying or what it because if, if i mean if you I, can do that surely you can determine how someone feels i think that's actually i bet there's quite a few of those out there that go they do sales training with that of your body language the customers are they checked out do they you know go off and then never in Atlanta they you know looking at their phone <laughs> like, like like there's I think those exist already for for the purposes of sales I I think it's obviously it's always led to for the purposes of financial gain do this but I'm seeing more traction definitely in sustainability and green mm-hmm. uh, tech that I think is pretty interesting um, and I'm not sure who your higher audience comes down to the word global warming or not but there's people who care and people who, who ignore it or don't care and and there's a lot of tech space there to kind of figure it out and, and i and i think ai is going to be a big piece of you know that and things yeah. related to space travel and all the other you know it, it's it's going to be a universe modeling down to you know the quantum side of it for sure for sure in fact actually there's um we've just started some industry insights on our our own page it's an x alphabet project um sponsored by google and now they, they've kind of taken it aside and they're looking at how um essentially to use Laser technology, I think it's called Type Beam, um, and how they that pairs with AI as well. I, mean, for, I think actually, you know, fast forward 20, 30 years, I think if doctors aren't using some type of AI assistant in diagnosis or you know in in, in probably diagnosis or examination of some sort, it'll it'll be seen as uh, you know negligent. And so now, where it might be kind of novel, I think it'll become very mainstream as you get through a couple more generations of doctors coming up through the world and FDA approvals and, you know, just people's expectation of technology in their lives helping. I, I think it'll start becoming negligent if you don't, if they don't, they aren't using technology to do these things like whatever, reading scans, looking at your wellness check or whatever it is specifically because there's so much data that's available and, and also there's so much money in it. <laughs> so yeah. we'll have the two major things you need for an AI project, which are data and money. And that's a wrap for today. Thank you so much for joining us, Thomas. To everyone listening, please keep an eye out for some exclusive recorded content which will hit our social media channels over the coming weeks. We'll also be tagging Thomas into all of our promotional material, so if you're interested in hearing more, that's an easy place to start.